Welcome to the Life After Swim podcast. I'm so excited to have this episode this week with Courtney Randolph. She swam for Yale and she's a 2014 alumna. She's also the Chief Communication Officer for Lead Sport Co. So Courtney, how have things been? Hi, Alexa. Thanks so much for having me. Um, things have been pretty hectic lately. Uh, working on Lead Sports Co, obviously, and then my husband and I are purchasing a townhome right now. So we're really excited about that to get out of our apartment um, and hopefully get a dog soon. Oh, that's awesome. What kind of dog are you thinking of getting? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. Definitely a big dog, but we'll probably just go to a shelter or rescue, rescue a pup. That's a long time dream for me. No, that's awesome. And where are you currently located now? So we live in Rockville, Maryland, which is just about a 20 minute drive outside of Washington, D.C. Awesome. So when you got done, so like with when you graduated from Yale, did you kind of like know you wanted to stay up north or like how was that? So I ended up at Yale after growing up in South Florida, um, which, you know, the weather difference there was very cold. Um, and after Yale, I actually spent a year in Australia as an au pair. Um, so I did a full gap year, um, really took myself out of that competitive academic and um, athletic environment and really just did something different for a year. After that, I came back to the U.S. Uh, for a master's program in museum studies. And that's how I ended up in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I went to Washington in eighth grade, and that, that's the place to be for that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I do work for a museum now, too. And that's that's really fun to be able to continue to pursue my academic interests as well. So you mentioned you were part of Lead Sport Co. Can you tell us a little bit more about the organization about and about what you do as a chief communication officer? Back in 2017, Carolyn Joyce founded the Lead Sports Co. originally as the Lead Sports Summit, which was meant to be an event to connect young female athletes and swimmers specifically uh, with her network of field experts in sports psychology, nutrition, confidence, and as well as, um, you know, some of her Olympic athlete friends uh, and fellow swimmers. So I came on board after working on a few projects with her and we've kind of grown the company over time. So now we do the summit once a year uh, for swimming and then we're going to be venturing into some other sports soon. And we also run the Lead Sports Academy, which are online courses specifically designed for female athletes um, in confidence, nutrition, leadership and sports psychology. So what I do as the chief communications officer is oversee our team of um, staff members and interns uh, that work on the, the social media side of things. Uh, we run a newsletter that uh, sends out some fun tips and challenges every week and just kind of, um, you know, working with a really fun group of women. So we, we have uh, high school interns on our team all the way through women that have master's degrees. Uh, so it's a, it's a really cool opportunity to kind of work with people at different career stages and really just uh, promote our mission of empowering and elevating young female athletes. That's amazing. That, I love how holistic it is, like the sport, the nutrition, the sports psychologist. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. So I, you know, our mission with all of that really was to, to promote all these things that go into being a successful athlete outside of the pool and outside, outside of just what you do on an everyday basis, like in your training, like your, your coaches have that taken care of, trust your coaches. Um, 
but you know, there's so much else that goes into it outside of the pool and that, you know, that's where we want to step in and really, really help the coaches and help the athletes just kind of get this well-rounded picture of what success can look like. No, I'm just curious. What was your major in college? You work in like a, I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no worries. Um, so I was one of those people that went to college wanting to be pre-med and then changed it like one semester in, I ended up, um, studying anthropology and then I had an identity crisis and couldn't decide between, uh, bioanthropology and archeology, span uh, which really couldn't be more different, but I just enjoyed both of those things. So museum studies was kind of where I just like got to be more of a generalist, I guess, rather than pursuing one specific topic. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. I can definitely relate to the identity crisis because I, I switched majors from bio to psychology about halfway through too. So I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, some people go in with a certain interest and stick with it all the way through. I just was not one of those people. And that was definitely a good lesson for me to learn that like, sometimes you need to switch course and it's okay. Um, and you'll, you'll get where you need to go and there will be a reason for all of it. Right. Right. Kind of like reeling it back to retirement. Did you like go into master swimming right away? I know we talked before, but do you want to talk a little bit like about your experience with master swimming? Yeah, absolutely. I love master swimming. I will sing the praises of master swimming any day of the week. Um, so like I said, I spent a year in Australia and during that time I would swim probably once or twice a week. I mean, you know, I, I remember watching the Sydney Olympics as like an eight-year-old and my goal in life was to go see the Sydney Olympic pool. So I like finally got to do that. I like, I don't know. I, I cried the first time I saw it. It was like a really emotional experience because that was such a driver for me as I was swimming. And I've always just like loved following Australian swimming, which is odd, but you know, it's something that I love to do. Um, probably cause I watched Sydney when I was so young, but, um, I swam once or twice a week when I lived there and I did a couple of open water races, which was always like a huge fear of mine was open water. So it's kind of ironic that the first couple of open water races I ever did was were in Australia where there's like sharks everywhere. So right. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. But um, ultimately, that's probably the most re recreational I've ever been about swimming. Um, then when I came back, I lived in Arlington, Virginia for a while and just kind of swam on my own. Um, and then someone I was someone I was working with, um, was coaching at the University of Maryland at that time. And he was kind of like, oh, you know, you should come try masters. It's really fun. Um, so I did. And I guess the rest is history. So I currently swim with Terrapin Masters at the University of Maryland. Um, it's where I met my husband. It's where I met the four people that were at our pandemic wedding. Um, it's really such a, you know, positive part of my life. And um, I just, I love the whole vibe of masters like I literally only swim three times a week now but I still really very much love swimming no that's so awesome and I can imagine with master swimming you're swimming with people of like all different ages all different athletic abilities how has that been like with the atmosphere like the vibe of just swimming in general yeah so you know obviously it's different than growing up in a really competitive atmosphere whether that was in club or college swimming and um it's actually super fun because you know everybody's there for the same reason. They're there because they love swimming. They're there because they want to work out. They're there because they want to get in better shape. And I think, you know, having those be our goals rather than making it onto, you know, making it onto a conference team or qualifying for Olympic trials or whatever, like it's, it's so easy to really just get behind each other and support each other on a daily basis. Cause we're, we're, we're all just there to, to get better, but we all know that relative 
getting better is relative to that individual person. So there's only one or two of us in my group that actually swam at like a varsity level in college. And a lot of people, you know, either swam in high school or found swimming later in life. Um, and that's awesome too. Like everybody's just so excited to be there. So when you took your gap year in Australia, did you notice there they worked less hours? I'm just wondering, because I know some other countries around the world kind of work 30, 35 hours a week. I know America is like one of the countries that has the longest work week. So can you expand a little on that? So in Australia, I mean, obviously I was there on a working holiday visa. I was there as an au pair. So I, I wasn't there, you know, with a full-time job or anything like that. But um, I will say I really did love the the idea of a holiday there where people will, you know, take off for a few weeks or a few months at a time. I know one of my host moms recently, um, she works in public service and she was able to take like a two month long holiday recently from her job. And that's just like amazing. I imagine that's so, so good for your mental health. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I would love to see that be more of the, the culture in America. Um, in terms of working out and swimming, I, you know, obviously can't speak to that because I wasn't involved in like a team there or anything, but, um, so many people were just outdoors all the time. I loved the weather there most of the year. I mean, in the summer it got really, really hot, which made it hard to like run or anything, but that's why probably why swimming is so big there too. Yeah. Yeah. Do they, is like everything. Cause I, I grew up in South Florida too. Is everything close together? Can you bike? Like I know I have a friend in Sweden, she can literally bike practice or is, are things closer there? Or you still have to like drive around? Um, I would say it depends where you are and it depends where you're located within each city. Um, I, when I lived in Canberra, their capital, I would take the bus pretty regularly. And then when I lived on the Sunshine Coast, I drove a car everywhere. So that actually the Sunshine Coast and like Queensland in general were very similar to South Florida um, and just like needing to drive everywhere. Things were a little bit, a little bit spread out so that you needed a car, but not so far that you couldn't get to a pool within like 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> For, for master swimming, do you have like competitions or do you kind of just train for recreationally? How is that? Yeah. So in, in masters, we, I, I train with a group that swims three or four times a week. I'm definitely more on the two or three times a week side. Um, cause I like to do stuff outside of the pool as well. Like I'll run a few times a week. I love to lift weights at home with the Peloton app. I bought myself a Peloton for Christmas last year, like totally worth it. So I'm definitely very into cross training now. So I'll swim two or three times a week. Um, and then, yes, we do still go to swim meets, um, which is really fun. I'm definitely somebody that needs a checkpoint for various things. So like if I'm running regularly, I'll sign up for like a 10 miler, like every, like every couple of years, I'll get a little crazy and sign up for a half marathon. But I just like to, to have a checkpoint in mind to know that like my training is for something and you know, we still do that with swimming too, where we'll go to a swim meet. I'm actually going to swim meet in December, um, December, 2021. Um, and we'll, uh, yeah, just swim a couple of events. I'm one of those crazy people that still loves the 400 IM. That's what I swam in college. It's still what I swim now. <laughs> I apparently have lost all of my marbles still loving that event, but I do. Yeah. So I, I really do like still going to the swim meets. Um, they're really fun. They're laid back. Um, masters nationals is probably one of the most fun swim meets I've ever been to. Um, I know golden road brewing has been a sponsor of that in the past. So they'll have like a beer tent at the swim meet, which, you know, I think college swimmers might appreciate knowing that, um, if they're considering masters for after retirement, right. There's suddenly like an influx of college swimmers becoming master swimmers for the beer. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just really fun. It's nice to see people that you, you meet throughout master swimming. And I always say that swimming is just the smallest world because you end up meeting, meeting people. Like I know, I think you said when we were talking a couple of weeks ago that one of your, one of your very close friends swam at Yale recently. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think there's very few degrees of separation between swimmers. There's always like someone that knows someone for sure. So you mentioned swimming at Yale. Um, I talked to my friend of like for the podcast too. What was some of your favorite traditions Yale had in terms of like the team or even like the school? Yeah, so Yale's obviously a, a very old university. It's been around for a long time. Um, so there's a lot of cool traditions that are unique to the school in general, um, and then traditions within the swim team. Um, and I know around the time that I was there. Um, I was actually recruited by coaches who were retiring that year. So we went in not knowing who our coach was going to be. And then I swam for Christina Teuscher, who's a 2000 Olympian, I think, for two years. And then Jim Henry, who is still the coach now. Um, So given those kind of coaching changes, the culture has changed. The the culture has changed over the years. Traditions change over the years. Um, But what it still seems to me is that, you know, there were always little ways throughout the year we were able to, like, celebrate ourselves and celebrate our wins and that sort of thing. And um, I, I was definitely a big fan of just like little things that we did. Um, post IVs was always a really special time. Um, cause it was just the end of the season and it was always just freezing cold because post IVs, you know, it was our conference level meet and that was in the middle of February and we would just get back and it was, you know, in Connecticut and sometimes it was snowing and it was just so cold, but it was just so fun to celebrate each other. Um, and kind of just like, you know, celebrate the end of the season for some of us and, you know, wish everybody luck who was moving on to NCAAs. Um, I would say one of my favorite parts of Yale, I don't know if you would call this a tradition though, was um, that Jim was always very supportive of us finding opportunities outside the pool, especially like participating in study abroad over the summer. Um, And I would say that was one of my favorite parts of swimming at Yale was that opportunity to study abroad over the summer. Um, knowing that, you know, we would be able to get back in the pool at the end of the summer and work hard to get back in shape and all of that, but also to have those cultural experiences and academic experiences over the summer and just being a part of, you know, being a part of the university and being a part of a team that really encouraged people to explore those interests outside the pool was really special and ultimately pretty life-changing. No, that's amazing. Where did you study abroad? So I, I studied abroad every summer in some form or fashion. So my first study abroad after my first year was in Istanbul, Turkey, which is truly, truly incredible if you ever have the opportunity to go. Um, that was an archaeology class. And then after sophomore year, I studied abroad in Italy. Um, it was like beginner Italian and uh, like a cinema course. And it was mostly like my college roommate and I just wanted to go on study abroad together. So we did that. And then after junior year, I won a fellowship to go um, to Peru and I was looking at like the the kind of cultural landscape of museums in Peru. So I got to see like the new Machu Picchu Museum um, mm-hmm. and look at other, you know, art, private art museums in Lima. And it was just like basically two weeks of going to museums, which was a complete dream. So that was fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't realize archaeology gives you the opportunity to travel and just visit so many new places. And that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, thanks. It was, it was such an interesting field to study. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it definitely gave a lot of great opportunities to travel and just like learn about different cultures around the world. So like so much of what I learned was not even what we were learning, like in the classes, but just like experiencing other cultures, experiencing other people, experiencing other food. And that's just been a really wonderful opportunity. So you've been away from Yale for quite a while now. Do you still keep in touch with like your teammates or your coaches? Yeah. So I, I'm one of those people that likes to keep in touch with a lot of people. Um, I wouldn't say that it's every day. Um, I have a handful of friends that I probably do keep in touch with on a daily or weekly basis. Um, one of my very best friends from college actually just moved like 15 minutes away from me in Maryland. So that was very exciting. Um, and then my best friend is actually my best friend from the team is actually a diver. So like we did not train together, but just going to meets and stuff and hanging out outside of the pool um, was kind of where we bonded. Uh, so that was really fun. Um, and then I also had, you know, had the chance at Yale to join some other friend groups outside of the pool. So we have random housing, which is pretty unique for varsity sports teams. Um, so my college roommate was actually a lacrosse player. We did not room with other swimmers. Um, it was just completely random. Um, so that was actually a super good match because we were on different seasons. So like when I was really stressed, she was in off season. When she was really stressed, I was in off season. So it, it worked really well, actually, to be able to kind of like be there for each other and understand what we were going through, but not have to get into the the gory details of like, you know, any sort of drama or like super hard practice or anything. We could just kind of like blow off some steam or like, you know, celebrate a win or something like that, but have like have some boundaries and have some space, I think, which was also very good. Um, and then I was also able to be in a sorority, which um I never like thought of myself as a sorority girl, but like some of my very closest friends that I still keep in touch with now are actually from sorority. And that I think more than anything, once I retired senior year, that was really where I invested a lot of time after swimming. I kind of needed some space from the pool after senior year. So I dove a little more deeply into my sorority friendships. Um, and that was actually really great because after college, uh, when I moved to DC, um, one of my best friends as an adult was somebody who I wasn't super close with at the time in sorority and is, you know, now one of my closest friends, um, just because we, you know, moved to the same city after college, but yeah, I'm definitely a big proponent of, you know, always like taking advantage of your opportunities inside the pool, but also outside the pool and like investing in your, your interests, your personal interests. I can, I can totally attest to that because I live with people from different teams and I feel like there was always something to celebrate and like you could complete, it was like a good mental break from swimming too. Yeah. So how do you feel like Yale or swimming in college prepared you for where you are now as a chief communication officer? So swimming obviously forces you to have good time management skills. I would say, especially in high school, like high school hour for hour was the most that I ever trained. I think because in college you have the 20 hour a week rule and everything from the NCAA. So time management is huge. Um, you know, you get out into the real world and you have, you have deadlines, whether they're set by yourself or other people and you have to figure out a way to make those happen. Um, but also like a big part of time management for me is finding time to like, you know, invest in my own mental health. It's not just, you know, working, working, working constantly on everything. It's saying, okay, I want to go 
to master's practice today because that's going to be the best thing for my mental health. Or I just want to do like a little yoga class at home today, or I need a day off. Um, and that is all part of time management too. And I feel like a really big part of how I'm able to balance everything that I do on a regular basis, um, is, is managing all of that within a certain schedule. Um, I would also say that like, definitely swimming prepared me for overcoming challenges. So when I was in high school, I plateaued for a really long time. I didn't go the best time in anything for like three years. And I think like being able to overcome that challenge and like end up, you know, swimming in college and still going best times, like even senior year, it really helped me to learn how I personally could, um, find ways to stick with something or try new things. So like when I was in high school, I was a distance freestyler and then I switched to the 400 IM and just kind of finding new and creative ways to give myself an opportunity to succeed um, in something different. So that definitely, I think, translates to, you know, how you can exist in the workplace or in your friendships as an adult, or just kind of like how you would balance your own mental health. Like there's always going to be struggles. There's always going to be challenges. Yours might be different than the next person's. But I think the lessons you learn as a swimmer and just overall as an athlete, like are definitely things that can help you get through those, whether it's just sticking with it until you get over it, or if it's, you know, learning how to step back and say, okay, this isn't working. What can I do to, you know, change my perspective or change what I'm doing, change my training, change how I'm thinking about this and find a way forward. I feel like the 4am teaches you a lot of patience because I also swim that in college. <laughs> yes, love a good 400im. Do other master swimmers is like that an event in master swimming still? Oh yeah, it's definitely still an event in master swimming. Not too many people swim it. Um I'm, you know, I'm the crazy one on my team, but I've I've also been known to peer pressure some people in a gentle way into swimming some distance freestyle. Nobody's joined me in the 400 IM yet, but um, we have a really solid group of 200 IMers. So I guess I have to live with that for now. Right. No, that's pretty hardcore. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so what advice would you have for current swimmers now, just based on everything you've learned up until this point? So my advice for current swimmers, um, I would say I have a few pieces. So the first would just kind of be find something you love, whether that's in college or after. So, you know, for me, that was master swimming and then working for lead sports co I think being able to being able to work with Kara and with lead and my team of women that put all of this together, it's, it's really rewarding for me to be able to get back to swimming in that way and kind of figure out different ways to empower young women. And Kara and I always say, be who you needed when you were younger. So everything we do, we do with the idea that like, what did we need when we were 15 years old that might've helped us be better athletes, be better people, be better students. So that's been a huge, you know, passion project for me over the past five years. And it's been really, um, you know, just an honor to work on that and be able to have this kind of impact for young female swimmers. Um, you know, obviously I love masters as well. I love photography. I always have a camera on me. So those are just, you know, like kind of fun things outside of my like professional roles that are, are just kind of fun and ways that I can chill or ways that I can dive into something creative. Um, my younger sister also swam varsity in college. She swam at Villanova. She's now a nurse and she really loves her career. So that's kind of been her thing that she's found post swimming. Um, you know, for others, it might be your job or your career or a hobby or a sport, but I would just say, find that thing that you love and really just like 
invest in it for yourself. Um, so you can, you know, invest in your hobbies, interests outside the pool. And you never know where, you're, where you'll make your, your kind of lifelong friends. Like I do have lifelong friends that were from swimming at Yale. Um, and then I have others that are from my sorority. So there's no limit on, I guess, like where you make your friendships, where you find your hobbies, just do, do what works for you. Um, and then my other piece of advice, um, hopefully no coaches get mad at me for this one, but take breaks. I took more time off from swimming in college for my study abroad programs than I ever did in club swimming. <laughs> and I still was going best times junior and senior year. Um, it was very different. I never really took more than two weeks off when I was doing club swimming. So from age like six or seven until 18 and going to college, like it was very rare for us to take more than a week or two off, which is crazy now looking back on it. But in college, you know, I would take anywhere from two to five weeks off for these study abroad programs. And then I would come back, you know, obviously it would hurt for a while getting back in shape. But um, ultimately, I think those breaks were good. It allowed my body to recover in a way that it never had before. Um, you know, and even with masters now, like if I need to take a day off or a week off or a month off, I do. And then I just, I know what I need to do to come back at this point, like have faith in yourself and have faith in your body. Like you can come back from a break and oftentimes you'll come back better because your body is just take your body and your mind have taken time off to just chill. So that one too, I would definitely emphasize taking breaks as a really good thing. No, that, that's so true. And like, even this year with COVID and everything, summers were like forced to take a break. And I feel like the lack of pressure this year really helped a lot of people, like um, at least on my team, get best time. So that's so true with taking a break. Yeah, I can't even imagine being in school during this past, uh, you know, the past two years, I guess now with, with COVID. I know I probably would have been very anxious about that. <laughs> um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully coaches and athletes have taken the time to connect with their like universities, mental health resources as well. Um, I, you know, I, I think we connected over an Instagram post I made about going to therapy. So like, I'm yeah. a huge proponent of that, like always reach out, like whether it's to your coach or your university's, um, you know, medical system or whatever, like if you have mental health and therapy resources available to you, like I absolutely would recommend using them. Um, I've been going to therapy for three years and it's like not enough. And I wish I had started sooner. Um, definitely not shy about talking about it. Um, but yeah, I guess if there's anybody listening that's interested in mental health or therapy or whatever, they can feel free to DM me on Instagram if they want. And I'm always happy to talk about it. Or, you know, I, I would encourage coaches, especially to familiarize themselves with the university's mental health resources so that they can help connect their athletes if they need that. Um, especially in a year so weird as like it's been with COVID and everything. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I know that's going to help so many people. And this year, like, I feel like mental health in the swimming community has gotten so much attention since like Michael Phelps and Allison Schmidt started talking about it. Do you feel like that there was like a pivot with that in the swimming world talking about mental health? I would say in the sports world in general, um, yeah. there are so many incredible athletes that have used their platform in the last year to really talk about mental health. I know Michael Phelps has been talking about mental health for a few years now. Um, but Simone Biles at the Tokyo Olympics, Naomi Osaka with, um, you know, kind of excusing herself from press events that she doesn't feel comfortable attending. Um, all of those are just really incredible examples of mental health. Allison Schmidt, like you said, you know, I know she talks about her mental health a lot and that's, 
it's, it's just so important for young athletes to see these people talking about that. And that's, that's something we talk about at lead all the time. You know, we've had Elizabeth Beisel speak in the past, um, you know, about her experience with leadership, about her experience with confidence ahead of races and stuff like that. And one of the biggest things for us is hearing from these teenage girls and all the time they'll be like, wow, she's just like me. Like she was worried before this race. Like I, I see myself in her and that's such a cool thing, whether it's, you know, thinking about try, you know, having the Olympics as a goal or just like talking about mental health, like the more people talk about mental health, the more athletes talk about mental health, the more it's going to become accessible for younger athletes, um, to, to seek that for themselves if they need it. And like with college too, that's, that's becoming a lot bigger, especially like since all the resources are right there, like the hidden opponent, I forgot when it came up, but that's been like a huge help for a lot of athletes in like all sports. Yeah, there's, there's so many great accounts too. And I know social media, social media is what it is. There's, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. There's a lot of just not great stuff. It's, it's hard. Like I can feel my own mental health struggle on social media sometimes, but there are so many great accounts with people who, you know, just speak their truth about mental health, speak their truth about their own confidence and their, you know, experience with their sport. And that's, that's super helpful. Um, yeah. So you mentioned the hidden opponent, um, that's run by Victoria Garrick, who's awesome. She did a webinar with us last year on body image. That was just like killer, like body image is such a crazy topic, especially in swimming. Um, and then like the Virago project I know has a lot of really great resources too. And then there's just so many accounts that are just like really uplifting to women in sports in general. So it's like, it's an amazing time to be in the world of women's sports in particular, um, with so many supportive people out there that just want to see young women succeed. So who would you say your biggest role model has been in swimming or like in your life in general? Ooh, okay. That's an awesome question. So two parts. So when I was little, I have to admit this, otherwise Kara's gonna, you know, come after me later. So when I was little, I, idolized Jenny Thompson. Um, I don't even know if like young swimmers know who Jenny Thompson is, but she's like one of the most decorated female swimmer Olympians of like all time. I wrote book reports on her when I was like in elementary school, I read her autobiography and to do all my book reports on her. I just thought she was amazing. Um, you know, and I think now working with Kara, it's hard not to say Kara is one of my biggest female role models right now. I've learned so much from her as a woman in sports and just a woman in business, like it's, you know, it's hard to come out and do all of this on our own. We very much like bootstrap this business for the last five years. We have made this happen um, and created all these opportunities for hundreds and actually like thousands, I guess, with our online offer, our online courses, um, thousands of young female athletes. Um, and she just does it with so much grace and she sticks up for herself. I would say is like one of the biggest lessons I've learned from her is always stick up for yourself, like be proud of what you do and own what you do, but stick up for that and protect that because there will always be people, you know, that either try to, I don't know, come at you or take advantage of you or anything like that. And that's, you know, in business or in life. And, um, I don't know, that might be a little bit of a pessimistic way to look at it, but like, I like to think of it as definitely a positive thing that um, I have somebody in my life who sticks up for herself and sticks up for her team, you know, and sticks up for our mission, sticks up for young women in sports. 
And she working with her has truly been amazing. Like there are still times where I'm like, she, she was literally like, I think I had pulled like a splash magazine cover or something of her off. And it was like on my bedroom wall with like all of these other like amazing swimmers that I had pictured, you know, like you have all the like speedo posters and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And like yeah. she's somebody that like I looked up to as a kid and now I'm working with her. Um, so yeah, Kara's Kara's obviously like a huge influence on my like daily life, both, you know, like as an athlete when I was younger and then as a professional now. No, that that's amazing that so many idolize you work with. I, I can't even imagine that. Were you starstruck when you start wor- started working with her? Yeah. And it's so it's so funny because Kara's one of those like, you know, there's only a few degrees of separation with swimmers. So somebody I grew up swimming with actually lived with her when she was training for the 2012 Olympic trials. And I went out to visit my friend, but Kara was in North Carolina at the time. So it was just this, like, we almost missed each other in 2012, I guess. Um, And then I didn't meet her until I think the fall of 2015 at a swim clinic. Um, but yeah, it's just so funny how life works out like that. And you know, people who know people, but like, you know, eventually it all, it all fell into place. I ended up at the right place at the right time being in DC and being able to meet her um, and then being able to work with her now. No, that that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story and like for taking time for this. This was so nice to meet you. And like, even hearing from like someone that went to Yale now that goes to Yale now and someone that went there like seven years ago is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been so fun. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I always love talking about swimming and it's been fun to kind of revisit some memories from club and college swimming today too. If you want people to follow you, where can they follow you and also lead sport co like we can also put in the show notes. Yeah, sure. So I'm on Instagram at Courtney M Randolph and our lead sports co accounts are all at lead sports co. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, yeah, all the all the places with that, but just at Lead Sports Co. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Life After Swim podcast. Thank you, Courtney, for sharing your story. If you liked today's episode, be sure to like, leave a review, or subscribe to the podcast so more people in the swimming community can hear this. Until next time.